Good morning from WKYT News. I'm Bill Bryant and we welcome you to Kentucky Newsmakers and hope you're enjoying your weekend. Our guest today is U.S. Senate Republican leader Mitch McConnell, who is also Kentucky's longest serving senator ever. First elected in 1984, McConnell is just beginning the seventh six-year term that he was elected to last November. McConnell's GOP is now in the minority by the slimmest of margins in the Senate, with Democrats needing the vote of the vice president to break the tie votes. Democrats did that with a COVID relief bill that cleared the Senate with no Republican support. Now President Biden is pushing on several fronts to go big on infrastructure and a plan he says will create jobs and align the country's economy with the future. Republicans say it goes way too far. They want to substantially scale things back. At one point, Senator McConnell referred to the proposed spending as catnip as he has pushed some alternatives. Senator McConnell joining us this morning, one of the first guests we've had back in studio since the start of the pandemic, and we appreciate you very much for coming by. Glad to be here, Bill. What a time in history we've all been uh, living through here, you know, yeah. and uh, from the pandemic to the social upheaval to the political division in the country. Uh, you've seen a lot in the three dozen years in Washington. Have you ever, is there anything to compare this last year to? Well, I think the pandemic was certainly unique. We hadn't had one in 100 years, uh, but there's been a lot of drama over the years. Uh, 9-11, uh, the economic meltdown in 2008. The pandemic was unique. I mean, we had advice that we needed to shut the economy down in order to try to prevent the spread of the disease, which of course created an economic catastrophe as well. So we had a healthcare crisis and an economic crisis all at the same time. Fortunately, even in the middle of a presidential election year, we were able to overcome our differences. We got together and passed five major bipartisan bills uh, to address the crisis. And I think as we go into 2021, we can say it worked. Uh, the development of three highly effective vaccines in less than a year is a modern medical miracle. Uh, I was a polio survivor when I was young. I've read a lot about that disease. <clears throat> it took seven decades from the time they identified the disease until they got a vaccine. So what was done last year to develop these vaccines was a, was a miracle. And you were out front uh, early on about uh, masking and then later with the vaccines, uh, you, you got your shot publicly. Uh, before that, you would wave your mask around at uh, some of the events that you do. You'd keep one on and wave another uh, to demonstrate to people uh, the importance of that. And I remember at one point you said, this is what we have for now. Mm -hmm. And uh, that was back in the summer and fall. Uh, were you surprised, though, that trying to beat back the COVID pandemic uh, became and continues to be so political in this country? Yeah, a little bit. Um, here's where I think we are. <clears throat> if you're a football fan, you know that the red zone is the last 20 yards before you score. And I think on vaccines and arms, <clears throat> we're in the red zone. We're not yet in the end zone. And there is a slowing down of interest in getting the vaccines which all of us are trying to uh, discourage the slowdown uh, to finish the job because the only way you finally get this behind us is to get at least close to herd immunity. Now, the president said he thinks we probably aren't going to get to total herd immunity, but we need to keep pushing to get as many people to take it as possible. Even if you're young and healthy, you could end up being a carrier that might actually infect someone else. 
So I think uh, it, it has slowed down and it is alarming, but uh, we're going to keep pushing. Does the reluctance among uh, young people uh, uh, concern you and, and uh, intrigue you in any way? Yeah. I mean, I, I think we need to try to complete the job here. And I, I, the only way to do it is to keep talking about it. And um, healthcare professionals, doctors who are interacting with patients, continue to push it on a patient-to-patient -patient basis. And uh, hopefully we'll get there. Governor Bashir in Kentucky set vaccine targets for lifting uh, restrictions. Uh, some are pushing him for a date certain to reopen the economy entirely and dropping the restrictions. Several states have now at this point ended uh, the rules. Uh, how do you feel about uh, the policy here in your home state? Well, I don't, I don't want to second guess uh, the, the governor. I, I know he's doing the best uh, uh, he, he, he can. I do think, though, it's pretty obvious from looking at events like the Kentucky Derby that regardless of what any of us say, including the nation's governors, people are going back to normal. I mean, we, we've got a 6% growth rate in the first quarter this year. That's because of all this pent-up demand. People tired of being stuck at home for the last year. People are getting out, getting involved, and resuming their lives, and I think are less and less likely to follow those kinds of restrictions. I think the single best thing we can do, as I already said, is keep emphasizing, get that, get those vaccines. Even if you're back in a normal pattern in your life, still get the vaccine. All right, Senator, let's get to some of the uh, hot topics in Washington right now. President Biden is proposing a massive infrastructure bill for roads and bridges and airports and broadband and other things. He says it will create jobs. Uh, the price tag is in the trillions. Uh, Republicans have put forth a bill that's around 600 billion or so. Can you uh, compromise or are you drawing a line in the sand? Well, well could I, before we get yes. to that, the rescue plan, the so-called Biden rescue plan that I didn't vote for and no Republicans in the House and Senate voted for that passed earlier this year has already spent far beyond what our current needs are. For example, in that bill, uh, only 1% of it was about vaccines, only 9% of it was about health care, and we're feeling the ramifications of overspending already. I just met today before you and I sat down to talk with a bunch of business people over in Scott County. Every one of them is experiencing inflation and difficulty in getting people back to work because they're being paid so much to stay home, the incentive to go back to work has almost disappeared. So we've already done that. Now, they are proposing, as you asked. Let me go back on. Yeah. We'll take that in okay. the order, order of your choosing. Uh, let's go back to this. So uh, this bill passed, is sending billions of dollars uh, to Kentucky, the yeah. COVID relief yeah. uh, bill. Uh, is, it an, is it awkward in any way for Republicans who could not get there to agree with the Democrats on that package, and therefore there was no Republican support, uh, to now be advising the localities how they uh, will be getting this money and, and, and how they might spend it. No, it's not awkward at all. I, I've told everybody in Kentucky, I, I don't think we should have sent a, an additional $4 billion to Kentucky. Last year at the height of the pandemic, we sent $2 billion to Kentucky. But we lost, it passed, and I hope both the state and local officials who are gonna be awash in money far beyond anything they ever dreamed, will spend it wisely. 
and try to do as much good as they can. One thing in particular we learned during the uh, pandemic, it underscored again the lack of adequate broadband across Kentucky, and that's true in large parts of the nation as well. So I hope they'll spend it wisely. From, from the country's point of view, I think it was a mistake. We already had uh, a debt the size of our economy after what we did last year, justifiably during a 100-year pandemic, a debt the size of our economy for the first time since World War II. Now they want to add more. And now you had asked earlier about the infrastructure bill that they're recommending. That's another $4 trillion which would be a total of $6 trillion this year, and the pandemic is coming to an end. But you have said that uh, infrastructure needs to be addressed. It does. That we have a lot of things that need to be done. Uh, what is wrong with the president's bill? Too, okay. Just the, simply the, too big? The, this recommendation the president made in the speech to the Congress and the nation the other night, $4 trillion, 6% <laughs> of it is about what most people consider infrastructure, roads, bridges, ports, water lines, broadband. All the rest of it is sort of a left-wing wish list of items that they want to jam into it. And, Bill, they want to raise taxes. They want to go back and undo the 2017 tax bill. That bill, which not only lowered corporate tax rates to make us competitive with the rest of the world, but lowered individual business tax rates as well, that is businesses that are not incorporated, produced the best economy in 50 years as late as February of 2020. February 2020, we had the best economy in 50 years, low unemployment, lowest African-American unemployment in history, lowest Hispanic uh, unemployment in history. We're not willing to revisit the 2017 tax bill, which was good for America. So what is this bill? need to be. It needs to be a bill about real infrastructure. And as you suggest, what we've laid out is about a $600 billion plan <clears throat> actually paid for by the users of infrastructure, which is the way typically you pay for these things. We're not willing to, to, to revisit the 2017 tax bill. My assumption is if they can't get absolutely everybody in line like they did on the rescue plan, every single Democrat, then they'll come to us for a more modest and targeted proposal. When you say users will share in the expense, we're talking tolls on bridges, this kind of thing? You know, the, the users pay through gas taxes, through tolls. That's a credible way uh, to pay for it. None of this is without controversy, but at least if you have the users uh, paying for it, you haven't produced the drag on the economy that you do by crushing the 2017 tax bill. It, it takes the corporate rate back up and makes it the highest in the world. The reason we lowered it was to bring jobs home. President Obama actually said that was the right thing to do. So making America less competitive is not a great idea. You have known the president uh, for a long time. You've served in the Senate with him for a quarter of a century. You worked with him when he was vice president. Uh, is, do you still have that good collegial relationship, and uh, are, are you uh, surprised with uh, any of the direction he's taking? Actually, I'm not surprised. The president's a really nice guy, very popular. Everybody liked him. I liked him. We did do deals during the Obama administration. He was never a moderate. <laughs> 
he, he was able to label himself a moderate in the, in the primaries for president compared to everybody else. I mean, he looked pretty moderate compared to Elizabeth Warren and Bernie Sanders, but he never was a moderate. And so I'm not surprised that this is a hard left administration. I tell people that Bernie Sanders may have lost the nomination, but he won the war over what today's Democratic Party is like, which means taxation, regulation, deficit spending on steroids, and that's what you're getting. And the only thing that will stop them, Bill, is Congress, because they didn't get a mandate for this. The Senate's 50-50. They've got a tiny margin in the House. And they didn't have a mandate for Bernie Sanders' vision of America, and I think it's going to be very difficult for them to continue down this path. You read a, a poll as well as anybody, and you, you see that polling out there that says some of these proposals are very popular with the, with the American people. How do you, as a leader of the Republicans in the Senate, uh, keep from being the, you know, the party of no? How do you, <laughs> how, how do you uh, say that you have your own ideas? Well, that, let me take you back to the beginning of the Obama administration. The Obama stimulus was initially popular, sending out checks if you ask people sounds like a great idea but by the time the 2010 election rolled around two years later they thought the stimulus was about uh, Solyndra and about funding t turtle tunnels and other things that were unrelated to what they thought it was about and we intend to bore down on what was actually in the rescue plan one percent of it for vaccines 9% of it for health care, 90% for a whole lot of things unrelated. And if you look at the infrastructure package, 4.1 trillion when you really need 600 billion, what's the rest of it for? Higher taxes, more deficit? The American people through the course of the next year and a half and the course of the elections in 22 will have a better understanding of what in fact these proposals were about. Are you concerned that the state and local governments will use some of the federal money coming in to cover mistakes they've made in the past or bad debts? Well, I've, I've recommended they use it wisely if they can. They are going to be awash in money. $800 million are going to go down to counties, over $200 million down to cities. Uh, state government wisely, in my view, set aside one half of what's already come in, uh, basically captured that. Um, if they're going to get this windfall, which I didn't vote for, at least I hope they will be able to use it to make a positive difference for our state. U.S. Senator Mitch McConnell, the Republican leader in the Senate, is with us. We'll be back on Kentucky Newsmakers in just a moment. Welcome back now to WKYT's Kentucky Newsmakers. We're continuing our visit with U.S. Senator Mitch McConnell, Kentucky's longest serving U.S. Senator. You're proud of that, I know, uh, but you hear it a lot, right? Well, you know, I'm <laughs> grateful that right. the uh, people of Kentucky have uh, felt I've done a good enough job to be rehired several times. The Biden administration has set uh, some uh, clear targets for lowering emissions in the country. It's clear that uh, uh, it would force more renewable energy, far less reliance on fossil fuels like coal. Uh, do you think that Kentucky's coal producing areas should uh, try to resist that effort or retool themselves in a way that aligns with what uh, it looks like the policy may be going forward? Well, they're not mutually exclusive. I mean, we've been trying for years to develop alternatives in Appalachia, even before the Obama administration basically 
uh, destroyed the coal business. And to show you how much they did, at the beginning of the Obama administration, 50% of America's electricity came from coal-fired generation. Eight years later, 30%. So nobody is predicting the comeback. And so even before that decline, every governor I can remember, and members of Congress have tried to help as well, have been trying to diversify uh, Appalachia. One of the encouraging uh, things that I've seen is this uh, new company that's come to Kentucky called App Harvest that's in agriculture. And uh, what they're doing is developing these lengthy, you know, they look like hothouses. That's probably not the right term for it. Uh, and growing, for example, tomatoes year-round mm -hmm. and competing with the the, Mex the Mexican tomato market. Basically, all the tomatoes come from Mexico. That's just an example. That the CEO of that company is originally from Pike County. Pike County cares about Appalachia. Right. So yeah, we. I think the diversification of Appalachia has been a long-standing challenge, even exacerbated, of course, by the decline of, of coal. And you acknowledge that uh, through regulation and uh, the initiatives even of some of the companies that uh, more efficient use of energy is coming and that that is a... a yeah, I mean, the regulatory process, that and say, you know, utilities make long-term plans. And if the regulations basically force you in, the, in, in a different direction, the utility companies are going to go there. I mean, the best illustration of that was uh, a coal-fired plant in Lawrence County converting to natural gas in the heart of coal country. So I think predicting the comeback of coal is, is not likely, and the pursuit of alternatives for Appalachia is ongoing. Senator, you've staked a lot of your career, uh, especially in recent years, on, on the federal judiciary. You believe that you have uh, turned it to more conservative. Uh, some Democrats have made a push to expand the U.S. Supreme Court. I think a lot of people were surprised that that number is not set by you know the Constitution or somehow in law, uh, that that is adjustable. Do you believe that effort has lost traction? Well, the President of the United States should have said, no, there's, we're not going to do that, forthrightly. And he could have quoted Ruth Bader Ginsburg, who said in 2019, nine is the right number. Justice Stephen Breyer, one of the other liberals on the court right now, said a month ago, nine is the right number. Uh, talk about discrediting the courts as an independent uh, body. Um, court packing is the ultimate politicization of the Supreme Court. I'm disappointed that President Biden, who knows better, didn't say we're not going to do that, as opposed to setting up some commission loaded with left-wing professors who are likely to come up with some recommendation to either restrain the jurisdiction of the Supreme Court or pack it by adding seats. He knows better, and that's really, really disappointing. Still an active issue. As long as the president uh, puts it on the agenda, it's an active issue. 1619 was a year uh, that enslaved Africans arrived in America in uh, colonial Virginia. A 1619 project done by the New York Times is designed to call attention to that year as uh, historically important in the formation of the country. You have written a letter to the Department of Education about that, suggesting it not be a major part of school curriculum. Well, look, I think the people who, in my party, who discuss this issue the best, or Tim Scott, African-American Republican senator from South Carolina who responded to President Biden's address to Congress, 
and our own Attorney General, Daniel Cameron, who addressed that issue thoroughly. Uh, we're interested in people learning about the history of, of this country. Um, our original sin is certainly a big part of that, but I think our best spokesmen on those issues are people like Senator Scott and Attorney General Cameron. Oh, but you did write that letter, right? I, I did, and uh, if you look at the history of the country, there are really some critical dates. 1776, Declaration of Independence. Uh, 1787, the Constitution. 1861 to 1865, the Civil War fought over this very issue. The 1960s, the Civil Rights Bill of 64 and 65, critical moments in American history. The election law changes in some states uh, have prompted some companies to take uh, stances out there mm -hmm. publicly. We know that Major League Baseball has moved the All-Star game out of Georgia mm -hmm. uh, over some uh, voting restrictions that are being added there. At one point, uh, you called on corporate folks to stay out of politics and, uh, and, and seem to walk that back some. Well, what I walked back, I, I think I should have said, they should have read the bill. <laughs> Uh, the Georgia, the new Georgia law, uh, arguably, certainly didn't make it more difficult for people to vote. Uh, you could argue the new Georgia law is even more in the pattern of making it easier to vote than the new Kentucky law, which was passed on a bipartisan basis and signed by a Democratic governor. So I've my big complaint with these corporate CEOs is they didn't read the bill because if they had actually read the bill, they wouldn't have been messing around, jumping in the middle of this highly uh, partisan issue because what the Democrats are trying to do is to rig the system at the national level, at the national level, to make it more likely for them to win elections. Former President Donald Trump has criticized you several times since you voted uh, uh, against him, impeaching him, but then strongly rebuked uh, his actions leading up to and on January 6th. Last week he said again, you should be removed as the Republican Senate leader. Uh, you have thus far apparently chosen not to engage. Is that your stance going forward? Look, I've got my hands full trying to fend off this socialist administration. I can confidently say my conference is entirely unified in opposition to what the new president's trying to do, and that's how I'm spending my time. Can Republicans retake the Senate and, uh, the, you know, that seat or two that you're going to need next year if there is this uh, tough factional battle within? I think the issue next year is going to be how do you feel about the Biden administration? If you look at recent history, Bill Clinton lost the House and Senate two years in, obviously buyer's remorse. Uh, Barack Obama lost the House and almost lost the Senate two years in. Donald Trump lost the House two years in. Frequently, there's a reaction uh, to a new administration two years in. History is on our side. We have 50. I was there in, in uh, 2009 when we only had 40. I, I know what right. a real minority looks like. This is the slimmest possible minority you could have at 50. Uh, we think we have an excellent chance, based on historical trends, to take the Senate back, but it needs to be a referendum on the Biden administration. Less than a minute left, uh, in fact 30 seconds, but Senator Paul may face progressive a Democrat Charles Booker next year. Does that remind you in any way of the 1990 race that I covered uh, between you and Harvey Sloan that was a very close race? Well, it'll certainly be a big spending race. You know, my opponent raised $100 million last year. 
uh, <laughs> I told my colleague and friend, Senator Paul, he'd probably be up against a lot of money coming in from around the country. I don't think uh, Kentucky's ready for a Bernie Sanders-endorsed uh, Democrat to go to the U.S. Senate. We really appreciate you stopping by today. Okay. Thank you very Thank much. You. U.S. Senator Mitch McConnell, uh, who is the Kentucky, again, longest-serving senator and the Senate Minority Leader. And we'll be back on Kentucky Newsmakers in a moment. Hello, I'm Greta Van Susteren, and here is your Full Court Fast Break. Since late December, nearly 105 million people out of about 330 million people have been fully vaccinated. But now the vaccination pace is slowing down. The CDC reports a roughly 35% decrease in the vaccination rate compared to previous peak demand. Now President Biden fighting this drop off and this week setting a new goal. Our goal by July 4th is to have 70% of adult Americans at least one shot and 160 million Americans fully vaccinated. The president says this new benchmark means that in the next 60 days, putting roughly 100 million shots in arms. His administration is also updating its policy with a new use it or lose it rule. If states do not use their full share of vaccine doses, other states with higher demand can access leftover shots. Pharmacies are now allowing walk-in COVID vaccinations. No appointment is necessary. Plus, to reach isolated and rural areas, there will be federally supported mobile clinics. Now remember, shots are already free to everyone, regardless of whether you have insurance or you are a U.S. citizen. And medical experts say roughly 70% of the population needs to be vaccinated to gain herd immunity and return to some semblance of normal. But if that is not enough reason to get vaccinated, states and cities are boosting incentive with perks and freebies. Detroit is handing out $50 gift cards to people driving residents to vaccine appointments. Memphis is offering vaccinated county locals a shot at winning a free car. And local governments are granting special access to events, some even offering free beer to get vaccinated. Plus, multiple companies are offering employees paid time off for COVID vaccine appointments. Want more full court press? Tune in Sundays. We bring politics home, covering the national stories that impact you.